This episode is brought to you by America's Rehab Campus. Get on the road to recovery with the best rehab in beautiful Arizona. Dial 1-833-272-7342. That's 1-833-ARC-REHAB. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned in to the Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Arcast. My name is Buddha. I'm Vance Johnson. I'm Michaela. Yes, thank you guys again for tuning in. You know, today we have two episodes back to back. I'm really excited. Both gentlemen coming through are huge Broncos fans. Wow. Yeah, it's really, really cool. We got Vance in here in the orange and blue. I decided to put him on number 82. Hey, man, he's, he hasn't done that yet, homie. This is very, very special right now. 22 episodes. This is the first time I wore my jersey. <laughs> yeah, this yep. is the first time. Oh, wow. What number you got on? Got that number seven on. I thought I was sitting next to Elway. Oh, man. It's all love. It's all love. So today, man, I I wanted to bring you guys, you know, a very special guest. He brought his wife with him, Veronica. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm round of applause for our friend Ramon. All right. Thank you. Yeah. And I know you can't hear the applause in the background, but it's there. All right. (laughs) Yes, they are. It's a packed house right now. <laughs> how appreciate it. Yeah, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing good. Blessed. Yeah, Blessed man. And highly favored. Amen. Yes, you are, brother. Amen. Right. Amen. That's great, man. Thank you so much for coming and joining us today, dude. I was like, you know, we go back, you know, and I saw on Facebook you had the Broncos jersey and stuff, and I was like, man, that's crazy. I just, I, I something just, just clicked in my mind. I was like, we got to get them in here to speak on this testimony. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I always tell people, stay loyal to your team, but I'm always love being around Bronco fans. So I appreciate that. Loyal to my team for sure. How'd you become a Bronco fan? Actually, the man that raised me, my dad, he's a Broncos fan and I kind of jumped on board with him and I've been through all the ups and downs of, a, of being a Bronco fan, but <laughs> yep. stay loyal. I love that. Loyalty, man. Yep, absolutely. That's really cool, man. So let me let me ask you this. How long have you been in recovery? I've been sober for four years and seven months. All right. Congratulations, man. Love it. Congratulations. Four years, seven months. Yeah. So let's go back. For anybody who who's tuning in, listening for the first time, what we do is we bring different people in here, different walks of life, Talking about their testimonies, things that they've experienced in through the addiction process. And, you know, Vance always says, uh, are you learning obedience through what you're going through? You know, the obedience that we have to learn to get clean, to get sober minded and, and where we're at now. So if you wouldn't mind, Ramon, take me back to the beginning, man. How old were you when when you started this? To be honest, when I started in my addiction, I was a late bloomer. I, I just got out of high school, 18 years old, mm. uh, started hanging around with the wrong people, running with my neighborhood. Just doing things that I shouldn't have been. I, you know, I should have been going to college. Looking back, of course, I wish I would have gone to college, done some things like that. But uh, God had a different plan for me at that time. He needed me to grow up in a in a way to where I had to fall before I had to get up. Yeah, that's biblical, young man. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, where, where's home at originally? Tucson, Arizona. So you grew up here in Tucson. Absolutely. Just like I did. Okay. Barrio Centro. Barrio Centro. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. You knew a lot of the same, you know, Chris and Migs and all them, huh? Yep. Those yeah. are my cousins. That's my family right yeah. there. I love them. Yeah. Yeah, man. We went to uh, we went to school together. Did you go to Mansfield as well? Yep. 
Mansfeld, Tucson High. I don't know. And this is really funny. I have to say this, though, every time I'm around classmates, because I honestly forget. Were you in the grade that I was supposed to be in, or were you in the grade that I went to after I failed and had to redo eighth grade again? I was in uh, class of 08. Okay. Oh yeah, most definitely. He was after that. Okay. I was. I, that's when I was. I was causing a lot of trouble back in like my middle school days. I. I had. Uh, I failed eighth grade. I had to do it twice, and then I ended up dropping out of high school. I didn't get my high school diploma till like right before I turned twenty one. You guys just so. reminded me of something, and I hate to jump in there, but no, you what, when I was in junior high school and high school, because I was that good athlete. I was also a cheater because otherwise I wasn't going to be graduate junior high school or high school. Yeah. But I was sitting next to people who I can cheat from, and because I was that good athlete the teachers wouldn't focus on me because they knew I was going to make the winning touchdown that weekend. That's crazy. Man, thanks for reminding me. Did you get like special privileges because of how good you were? You you just reminded me. They they would not pay attention to me, and they would let me sit next to certain people because they knew they were the ones who were the A students, and I was the F students, and I was able to sit next to them and do tests. Oh, that's crazy. All the way from junior high school. Wow. So you said that you were were a late bloomer in high school is when you started dabbling? I actually started after high school. After Mm. I had graduated, started hanging out with the wrong crowd, you know, got into smoking weed at first. And then uh, after that, I actually went to the hospital. I had some stomach pain and they gave me uh, some opiates at the hospital. Ooh. And uh, that was my gateway. Mm. That was, I always wanted to feel that feeling. It didn't, you know, that was the first real high that I had ever felt. Wow. So, that was the same thing that happened to me, young man. Because of my injuries during my career, they were taking me to the hospital and put me on different types of drugs. And that was my gateway. Absolutely. Wow. Diana was in here last week and she was saying, you know, that she's a nurse practitioner. She was in the ER working with all these different types of clients in the ICU, all of this. And she had said that, you know, the, when she had gotten out of a surgery that they had given her opiates and she took the first pill, she said that first pill was just like, that was it. Mm. And that's scary to me. We were talking about that in the last episode about that show Dope Sick and how the opiate epidemic is just out of control now, man. It's crazy. Just prescribing like nothing. You know what I mean? Absolutely. All right. So you you said that you started taking like the opiates. Was that you were smoking weed at the same time? Were you drinking and stuff too? I was smoking. I was drinking. I was uh, started uh, doing a little bit of cocaine here and there. Didn't really think I had a problem. Mm. It, It lasted it lasted too. It lasted until I was about uh, 25. And then that was the first time that I had to realize that I had a problem and that I needed to get help. But the first time I tried to get help, I did it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. yeah. I went to rehab in Palm Springs, California. The mother of my kids actually was pregnant with twins. Uh-huh. I had, you know, family telling me that I needed to get help. I needed to do this. So I kind of did it to shut everybody up. I didn't do it for me. That was, you know, that was the big mistake. But at the same time, I learned from that. Yeah. I learned from that mistake. That's the one thing is that, you know, you got to be obedient and learning from your mistakes and you got to anything that that happens to you that's wrong. You can come back and and make something good out of it. And that's what I had to do. Amen. Mm. So I went to Palm Springs, California, went to rehab there, uh, did everything I needed to. How Um, long were you there? I was there for 33 days. 33 days? Yeah, 33 days. I thought I was healed. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you know, I came back and I was I was snorting some of my psych meds that they were giving me while I was there. So, you know, I never got sober. It was yeah. just... 
yeah, like you said, just wanting to get people off your back, you know? You're doing absolutely, absolutely. I was snorting my, you know, and I was still lying. I, you know, I still wasn't getting honest with myself. Uh, my mom would find little straws and I would make up some stuff saying, oh yeah, at that rehab, they make you face your triggers and, you know, carry around a little straw and chew on it. I was the king of- <laughs> you're, you're good at those. I was the king of mal- manipulation for sure. Wow. And, um, so- you know, going forward, not even a couple months there, I was again using opiates, back to using opiates. Do you feel like you took anything from that first experience through the through the rehab and stuff? Did you come home with any coping skills or was it just a complete wash when you got back? It was a complete wash when I got back, but I ended up learning stuff after the fact. Yeah. When I actually finally wanted to get myself help, you know, fast forward a couple years, when I actually wanted the help, that's when I learned that that was a learning experience. For wow. Me. Wow. You know, you just reminded me of something. So I had to go back to my old photos. Guess what my number was when I was my first number when I played ball? 33? 33. Yep. Wow. So went 33, 33 days you went to treatment. 33 days I went to treatment. Yep. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. And it was, it was just like a residential? Was that what it yeah, was? Yeah, it was a residential in Palm Springs, California. Real nice. Real nice place. Even... Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, for everyone in the background, here's a noise. It's raining out here. It's raining. beautiful outside. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Marilyn Monroe did a a photo shoot there because the pool was the shape of a diamond ring. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. So. Dang. Yeah, that was pretty cool. But I mean, I didn't learn shit from it. How old wow. were you when you when you went to treatment? How old I went. You? I was 25. You were 25, 25 at that time. Years old. Yeah, at the time. So you struggled from like you said, 18 years old to 25. 25. It just you know got worse and worse yeah. and worse and then you know after i came back from re- rehab you know what sobriety i did have and i put that in quotes uh you know the book the aa books of alcoholics anonymous always talks about the still worse relapse how you come you know if you relapse it gets worse than the first time and that was me i i got worse i you know went back to pills couldn't get pills one time started doing heroin Wow. Mm. Started doing meth. I was introduced to, you know, intravenously doing it. There I was doing it. You know, my kids are inside and I'm in a, a little shed yeah. shooting up meth and heroin at the wow. same time. That was, you know, yeah. and nothing could stop me. My, I was so deep into my addiction that nothing stopped me. Were you single at the time? Were you like alone at the time a lot during this period? No, I was with the mother of my kids. She she kind of was always with me and she kind of never gave up hope on me. Yeah. You know, I was the one that, that decided that I was going to choose my addiction over my own family. Yeah. You know, she gave me those ultimatums like, you know, you need to stop using or you need to get out and... Well, fine. If you don't like what I'm doing, I'll just get out. Then I didn't understand what I was doing at the time. Yeah, and I think it takes it takes part two with the significant other. Like we've had people come in here and they talk about how important it is for them to educate themselves if they have no, you know, if they don't understand addiction because it is hard for people. The people don't understand it. They don't understand mm-hmm. how can this person pick this substance over their family? How could this person pick this over their responsibilities and their priorities? But then at the same time, they've never experienced that before. You know, we've had people in here. And one of the things that I truly think about is, you know, going back to the whole faith thing. If there truly is a God, and I believe that there is with all my heart, then it makes perfect sense that there's a devil. And the devil tries Mm -hmm. to get as many souls as he can. You know what I mean? So to me, only something truly evil 
could be that powerful to have a father or a mother choose that substance over their children. You know what I mean? It only makes sense to me. And and that voice in your head gets louder during isolation, especially when you're alone. You know what I mean? In that shed, there ain't nobody there to talk to. There's no one else except that voice in your head, you know? Yep. And this is biblical because Scripture says that the God of this world is actually the devil because that's why he's trying to take everybody out. And that's why us and our flesh with those addictions, eventually we end up ODing and some of us end up dying Mm -hmm. because he just wants to do that. And that's why a lot, often the demons leave when we go to treatment, but they wait for us to get out so they can come after us again. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Okay. It was around 25 years old, you said. That's when you decided you wanted to start getting sober? Or how did that happen? So so what happened is at 25, I had went to that rehab Uh, a couple months later. I actually relapsed on opiate pills the day after my twins were born, mm. I felt oh, wow. like it was a celebration time, you know, mm-hmm. that we are irritable, restless, or discontent. You know, that discontent came in for me. So I was like, you know, I, yeah, I'm, you know, I got my kids here, but let's party. Mm-hmm. This is a yeah. celebration. Let's celebrate. I'm going to do, you know, take these pills. I'll be all right. Yeah. Clean up in a couple days. I'll be good. Before you know it. I was back into my pill addiction. Wow. wow. Waking up sick. And, you know, and then there was this one one case where I couldn't find pills. And uh, somebody said, hey, man, I got heroin here. Like, you want to try this black? And I was like, they're like, it's a lot cheaper. And there I went with it. Yeah. Got into that. That was all bad. So for the next couple of years, there I was into my addiction again. And my addiction at that point had become anything that, Anything that got me away from my normal mind state, I just wanted to escape. And I didn't know why. I I justified it by saying, oh, I'm just partying. Mm -hmm. But I used everything. I used anything that I could get high of, whether it was cocaine, meth, heroin, you know, Molly at the time, whatever it was. I just wanted to get high. And if I could put it in a needle, even better. Before you went to go get sober, did you have any, like, well, you talked about going to the rehab, but what was your, what was the turning point for you? When did you decide, like, you know, enough is enough? When did you make that decision? So... My rock bottom, you know, I. that's why I tell you today, I sit before you and I'm blessed and highly favored because in my addiction, I should have died. And I honestly feel like that. I honestly feel like one of those times I stuck a needle in my arm should have been my last. Yeah. But God had a different plan for me. Amen. And um, he didn't feel like it was my time. And, you know, my grandmother had passed away the year before. 2018 was the year I got sober. 2-25-18. Well, the year before that my grandmother had passed away well they emptied out her house and all that stuff you know trying to sell it and everything and uh it was the middle of it was actually the beginning of february i started uh sleeping in her shed and she was dead and there was nobody in the house nothing i was sleeping in her shed and you know in the middle of the winter yeah and uh there were spider webs and dust everywhere and i was sleeping in the shed and i slept there for Four weeks I slept in that shed. And uh, I realized I got to a point one time to where I said, I can't do this anymore. I got so sick of myself. I got so sick of the life I was living. I didn't know if my kids were okay. My kids were babies. I didn't know if they were okay. I didn't know if they had ate, you know, any of that stuff. I didn't know any of that because I wasn't in touch with them. I was so caught in my addiction that it didn't matter to me where they were, what they were doing, how they were doing it. I didn't know if they were walking I didn't know, you know, if they had bumped their head and hurt themselves. I didn't know if she had needed to take them to the hospital for anything, if they were sick, nothing. Yeah. 
But like you said, that you started to hate yourself. I started to hate myself. And guess what scripture says? Jesus said out of his own mouth, unless you hate your life, you won't have new life. Amen. Wow. That's powerful what you just said. Because I was hating myself too when I was at the rock bottom. Amen. Because you said you started out with rock bottom. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where my rock bottom was. Thanks for sharing that. That transparency means a lot, man. Amen. And and that was something to where, you know, I prayed to God. You, You know, my relationship with God before that, was nothing but uh it was hey god can you help me get high today wow that was my prayer yep wow. that was what i would wake up and ask god for mm. not god can you keep my kids safe nothing yeah my prayer was god can you help me to get high today wow help me to find something so i could so i'm not sick yeah it's interesting you said that because i used to always just do the same thing use god as a slot machine <laughs> as a slot machine yep it's crazy. Take a gamble. Exactly. At the end of the day, if I could get high off a of prayer, all right, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. No, for real. You know, I heard a client one time tell me, he said, it's weird because the age that you are when you start using drugs for the first time is kind of like the age that you stay at when you stop. So kind of saying that during that time, your life and everything kind of stands still. And it's, it's amazing to me how for most people that use, of course, PTSD is always a huge part of it. Trauma, things that we experience in our life. And we use drugs as a way to escape and to get away from, from a lot of the pain and the stuff. Most of it, we don't even know how to unsurface. We don't even know what's under there, but it's bubbling. You know what I'm saying? We just feel this underlying pressure, this underlying pain. So it's, it's, it's just amazing when you really think about how evil and how, how the devil works in his schemes where it's like, you know, you start using, your babies are grown. It starts causing all of these issues with your family. You know, we start ruining relationships with friends. You know, you're, you're having to stay, like you said, where your nana shed. I'm guessing it was because, you know, you'd probably messed up relationships, friendships or whatever. So it's like you get to this point where you just keep getting knocked down and you keep getting knocked down. But because you're led by another spirit, you're not led by God. That voice is free to tell you, you ain't this, you ain't that. You're never going to be, you're never going to be this. You're never going to be that. You know, it's it's like how he uses his schemes. The devil, that's how he uses his mm-hmm. schemes to, to say those things to us. Once you cleared your brain and you realize like, I don't want to live this way no more. I'm done with this no more. You start realizing all of a sudden everything starts coming into play. You start feeling emotions again. You start feeling happiness and excited and everything all at once. But these are all like feelings that we've suppressed for so long until we finally lift that. Yeah, so after that, I prayed to God and I said, Help me get out of this, Lord. I don't want to live this life anymore. I know that I haven't had a relationship with you like I needed to, but help me because mm-hmm. I have nothing left. And that was the first had, time you did that, right? That was the first time I did that. reason why I asked you that is because what you just now said is also biblical because it talks about in the book of Hebrews how even Christ that had to pay the price for us said he cried out to the one that could save him from death. And guess what you did? The same thing did. I did. Mm-hmm. You cried out to the one that could save you. Wow. I did. And, you know, I had burned burn bridges with my mom, my dad, because all they wanted was for me to get sober and I, I couldn't. So finally I, you know, I contacted my mom. I said, I need to get help. I need you to come get me. I need to go to detox. I need to get help. I need it. I need it. I, I, I have nothing left. I don't want to live this life anymore. Well, I've told them, you know, many times before I'm going to get help. Yeah. Do you know this is biblical what's coming out of your mouth right now? Do you know the story of the prodigal son? No, I don't. So the prodigal son was a son out doing the same thing that you and I were doing with our addictions and everything. And it got to the point where he was living in a place where he didn't want to live anymore. And he had to go back home to his family to ask his father for help. You asked your mom for help. Yeah. So you were that prodigal son just like I was. I had to go back to ask for help myself because you were done living that life that you were living. 
I was. Wow. She was skeptical too. She was like, uh, I don't think I'm going to go for you. And, you know, she prayed on it and she said, you know what? I'm going to go get you and I'm going to take you to detox. And she did. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. She took me to That's detox awesome. at Community Bridges, the place I work now. That's <laughs> awesome. Praise God. Yeah. That's cool, I man. Went to, I went to detox there. I sobered up for a day or two. She let me stay in her house for a week until the Salvation Army rehab opened up mm. a bed for me. It was a six-month program. There's my the old me already thinking, telling myself, six months is a long time. Yeah, You got to start working. You got to start taking care of your kids and all of this stuff. Well, those are all the things that I didn't care about before when I was in my addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why all of a sudden now was I going to care about them? Wow. So I prayed and I ended up going to the Salvation Army rehab and, and the devil tried. He tried it on the fourth day that I was there. On the fourth day that I was there. And honestly, this is where I tell everybody my story is where I found God. Mm. Right. The fourth day that I was there, that was a one of the other gentlemen that was in program there and uh he had some heroin. He had some heroin in the in the facility and he said, Hey man, he's like, I got this black, you know, and again, Satan did everything in his power to to knock me off course. I had five dollars in my pocket. And all of this stuff, right? So I thought Mm -hmm. to him, hey, man, I have five bucks. I told the guy, I got five bucks. Give me me something small, whatever you can. And I told myself, I convinced myself. I remember exactly where I was walking up uh, the stairs, going back to my room, saying, this is it. This is your one last hoorah. You're going to, you know, use this heroin this once and you're going to be good. And I was excited about it. You know, I was going to get it and everything. And um, I kid you not, I was walking into the warehouse. You know, it's a work program there at the Salvation Army. I kid you not, I was work, walking into the warehouse and the Holy Spirit came into my heart. And I, for some reason, felt my pants and I had a quarter in my pocket. And for some reason, and I know it was God putting this in my head, for some reason, I, I told myself, I said, you know what? I'm going to flip this coin, Lord. And if it's gonna, if this coin comes out heads, then I'm gonna be able to do this heroin, and there's not gonna be any issues. I'm not gonna get caught. Nothing. This'll this'll be my last run. Yep. If it's tails, I won't do it. I won't. You know, nothing. I won't bother with it. I'll trust you, God, so that I, you know, I'll never go back on it. And I flipped that coin, and it was tails. Wow. wow. And God told me not to do it. And that was the first time in my life that God had actually really talked to me to where I would hear people say all the time, oh, you know, you got to listen for God. You got to listen for God. And I would, these people are hallucinating. Like, what are they talking about? They got You got to listen for God. Like, does he really talk to you? You know, I didn't understand. And that was the first time I understood that God speaks to you. If you just open your ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. So I flipped that coin and it came out tails and... I said, okay, God, I trust you. I went to the guy and I said, don't give me it. I don't want it. If I come back later and tell you I changed my mind, like, you know, give me it. He said, all right, man. I said, make sure that you don't give me it no matter what. Wow. And the mm-hmm. very next day, they dropped, they drug tested the whole house. Wow. Mm. So was- my recovery would have ended four days into it. Wow. Square one all over Square again. Square one all over again. Yeah. And I would have I would have they would have never let me back in that place. Right. And I would have gone right back to my addiction. Yeah. 
Wow. But I was sitting there, you know, after I drug tested, and I I was shaking by how much the Holy Spirit had come into my heart and showed me, and God showed me himself. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I've never looked back since then. Right. That's That's amazing. That is amazing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Let me try to tempt you. And the Lord showed up and you said, I'm going to listen to the Lord and not the enemy anymore. He tried mm-hmm. to tempt me and he tried to knock me off course. And- yeah. Yeah. That's what I tell people. The scripture talks about how the enemy roams around like a roaring lion mm-hmm. seeking somebody to devour. Oh, yeah. And to me, that means relapse. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what you did when the spirit told you not to do it, when you flipped that coin? I listened. You listened. Exactly. That's real. Because most people would have been like, let me flip that again. I yeah, think that let me, coin yeah. was sticky. Let's try it yeah. a couple like more times. like when you shake the magic eight yeah, ball. That's my... not the answer I wanted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <Try> again. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that that's amazing. And to me, I think it, it shows, too, that you don't have to start your obedience for the rest of your life right now. It's just one moment at a time. And it's like Mm -hmm. in that moment, you chose obedience and God rewarded you for that. And it kind of lit that fire for you to keep pushing, you know, and gives you, I I think of my, you know, God moment where I was like, wow, this is real. Like, I know that this is without a doubt because I was grew up in a Christian home, but you, you have to have that moment that your like relationship starts, not just go to church, do all the things. And it's like, in that moment when you finally fe- hear the way God speaks to you, because, you know, some people really do, like, actually hear a voice. Some people see things. Some people feel things. And it's like, once you know, you can—I feel like the rest of your yeah. life starts. And it's just a really— Yeah, and I, I think you said a key thing, too, where you said— is I've, I've tried to explain it to people before. You know, how do you know when God is speaking to you? It's different. It's different than a conscience. Mm-hmm. It's similar, but it's different. For example, right? I have mm-hmm. really bad anxiety. So I've been praying lately, like, you know, God, just help me. This is a this is something that I'm dealing with. I'm tired of it. Like I've been dealing with this my whole life. I'm not taking meds anymore. I'm trying to work out. I'm trying to stay active and be active. I need this to go. Like, let's talk about this. How can we do this? Mm-hmm. You know, but it's it's really like for me, for anyone out there listening who's ever been curious, for me, it's I think you have to quiet those voices in your head and you have to get yourself to a place where it's just you and God. Mm-hmm. Start by saying the our father get get somewhere, you know. But yeah, when you when you hear God's voice, it's different than a conscience. It it speaks to you, it rattles your whole soul when you hear him talking mm-hmm. to you. If it wasn't for God, man, I mean my my marriage would be destroyed, everything in my life would be destroyed. So, you know, uh, it's just it's beautiful to hear your testimony and to hear, you know, where you're at now, man. Congratulations on that for mm-hmm. real. Appreciate that, man. Wow. And what you just now said about your anxiety in First Peter, it says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, today, man, I have um, been trying to go swimming every single day. If, if, I, if I don't work out or if I don't do something in the morning, the depression comes, the anxiety comes. So I have to stay proactive as much as I can to get rid of that stress. And I was sitting there today after I swam, I sat in the little hot tub for a little bit and I'm watching the sunrise because I wake up super early and I'm not kidding you. I could see these birds just flying. Beautiful. The sun is starting to rise and these birds are flying. And all I kept thinking about was that scripture where God says, look at the birds. Do they worry about where their next meal is coming from? Worry about the clothes that they're going to wear? Like I provide them with everything. Do the flowers worry about when they're going to get watered? And all I kept thinking about was, man, 
thank you, God. Thank you for putting me here right now to be able to to take this moment and to really appreciate that you're talking to me right now. Amen, brother. Thanks for that, man. You know, well, and it's powerful. so easy to let our minds take control of our life and to like, I mean, the devil knows. The devil knows exactly what each of our weaknesses are and how he doesn't speak to us all the same, you know, and that's where you just have to know like, these are my weaknesses. I'm a very anxious person too. Yeah. <laughs> Above and beyond anxious person, chronic worrier. I used to, when I worked at the church, my pastor said that I could save so much time if I would worry less and pray more because he goes, worry doesn't work. And it doesn't. Yeah. It, it makes it so bad, but it's it's crazy. Those simple moments that you have with God. I'm reading a book right now and it's called Turning Your Life Around. And it's just like when you get stuck in all the chaos of our world and all of the Our bodies were never designed to intake as much as we do through social media and news. And we were only like, we were only equipped to take on the burden of our neighbors who we can see and actually help. We were never meant to be able to take on, you know, people that are suffering from the hurricane right now, people that are in Ukraine. We, We were never designed to be able to take on a burden of somebody we can't help actually. And so it talks about how we have to, you know, going back to quieting our mind and they said that you should start doing a 60 second pause two to three times a day. And all you have to do is, you know, wherever you're at, close your eyes and actually pause. And what it does is it's allowing yourself that time for God to speak with you. And while you're in, they say, while you're in the 60 seconds of pausing, you know, you close your eyes and you say, I give everything to you, God, and I give everyone to you because it's not ours. We're just here, you you know, for an audience of one, and yeah, no, you, I think you, I think there's definitely some truth in that. I remember when my nana passed away in 2020, right before COVID, and I'm very grateful she didn't have to experience that, pobrecita. But I remember her telling me some of her bridal party, she never saw him again. You know, they had a wedding or whatever, and she's like, yeah, I think I saw her once, and that was it. Our lives were meant to be a lot more simple than we make mm-hmm. them out to be, and we create all of this social media and. You know, now we're having to raise kids in this crazy world, bro. I mean, we grew up the same way, dude. Like, you know, things are different. Mm -hmm. You know, we grew up with MP3s and LimeWire and MP3 players. Like, now the whole world. LimeWire, I forgot about that. (laughs) I put plenty of viruses on my computer from that. It's crazy just to see where the world is now. And I feel like God needs to be a driving force in your life to be able Mm -hmm. to do things and propel your family and, and your household forward. One of the things that God does for me in my life is he he wants to know how far I'm going to follow him. How one of the things that hit home with me with you was uh, you losing your son. Mm. And that was something that, you know, I had a counselor named Donald back at the Salvation Army. And uh, his daughter had some issues, has some health issues. Well, he talked to me about how they rushed her to the hospital one time and he thought he was going to lose her. And he was praying to God and he said, no matter what, I'm still going to praise you. No matter where, you know, if you decide to take her today, if you decide that, you know, she's not going to be around anymore, wherever, whatever you decide to do, I'm still going to praise you. And that's something that I've always not necessarily prepared myself, but it's taken away from the worry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The worry that you have as a parent to, you know, because your heart is is walking around and Mm -hmm. talking and, you know, all of these things. And so for me, it was like for you to still praise the Lord and, you know, that that's living proof of that. Mm -hmm. And you just now proved another biblical way, brother, because King David, when he lost his son, he started to praise the Lord and everybody was asking, why are you doing that instead of doing that? Mm -hmm. He said, because I won't see my son again here, but I'll see him again in heaven. Amen. Mm -hmm. So praise God for you, young man. Yep. 
And do you have a, a good relationship with your kids now coming out oh, of Oh, absolutely. That's great. You really? Absolutely. I, my kids are, I have, they'll be seven on the 17th, my twins. And then <laughs> I have cool. a little boy that's six. And uh, the mother and I, we have them half time each. So I get them from Wednesday to Saturday. She gets them from Saturday to Praise Wednesday. God. Yeah. That's a real cool. father, guys. And even though he ended yes. up separating, and, but he's still in his kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you know what? That. I, you know, all glory to God. I have an amazing co-parent. You know, the mother of my kids and myself were, you know, really good friends. And that's great. She's a really good mom. And, you know, she did a lot for me to be able to get sober by taking, you know, taking care of them for me. So I will always love that woman. She's amazing. That's great, dude. She did a lot. So that's cool, man. I I wanted to, um, I wanted to share a scripture really quick. Uh, I'm sure you know this really well. By the way, my father-in-law loves how much you know scripture. Yeah, how Vance, I love hearing them. Yeah, but this is a second Timothy. Uh, one through seven, where it says, for the spirit of God, actually, it's just uh, Second Timothy, for the spirit of God, the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and discipline. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I always, you know, and I want to share this with the listeners out there. If you're ever feeling anxious, if you're ever feeling scared or overwhelmed, I mean, the world is an ugly place. Always remember that God never, ever gives you that spirit of fear. He right. never, ever gives you that spirit of anxiety. And if you have that spirit, it's not coming from God. So right. you got to learn to check yourself and figure out where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Understand that God gives you a spirit of love. He gives you a spirit of self-discipline. You know, God's word does not return void. Try and read as much as possible, guys, if mm-hmm. you're out there, most definitely. So after your uh, last day in treatment, how do you stay clean? So when I went into my last day of treatment, uh, after I graduated the program, August 29th of 2018, I graduated the Salvation Army program and I started doing volunteer work. I started, you know, giving back. I was a volunteer counselor there. I would teach a group there. That's cool. At the Salvation Army. And yeah, I kept talking to that counselor. You know, Donald, I still talk to him to this day. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just kept it moving. I kept believing in God. I kept having my faith in God. Continued to go to church. I just started living a normal life again. Awesome. And that's right where I was thinking you were going. You stayed on the playing field. I stayed on the playing field. Yes, you did. Right. To, the, to this day. To this day. Now I work in behavioral health. And, yep. and by the way, I, I did not know this about him, but for something the Spirit just told me, ask him this question because that's going to lead to where mm-hmm. what you just now said. Yeah. You've been, you're working at, uh, where'd you say you were at now? Community Bridges. Wow. Community Bridges. And, you know, I definitely applaud you, man. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yes, it's crazy right. how we have a plan for ourselves growing up, like what we want to do. And God's like, nope, pump the brakes real quick. Like, I, I got something different for you, you know? Amen. How long, how long have you been there now? Been there for a little less than two years now. All right. Awesome, brother. Great job. That's awesome. And uh, you say you teach groups and everything too? Teach groups, yep. What would you say, like what advice would you give somebody, man, if they were listening, you know, recent relapse, going on a bender, you know, happens to listen to the podcast and, you know, they're just lost right now. What advice would you give somebody out there? That God could and would if he were sought. If you seek him and you look for him, he'll find you. Amen. The way that I see it is I, God was always, uh, he was always reaching his hand out to me, but I was mm. trying to find him in a dark room. Mm. Yep. And there I was trying to look around for his, you know, for his hand. But at the end of the day, all I needed to do was flick the light on. That's mm. it. Amen. Awesome, brother. That's all I needed to do is right. flip the light on. So that's a beautiful testimony, man. Thank you so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. I just really appreciate your transparency because I have a saying that transparency leads to transformation. 
Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're going to just really open a lot of eyes to people need to hear, especially those who are new in their recovery or wanting to make sure that there's a way out. Amen. You're showing mm-hmm. proof of that. And how old are you now, young man? You're young. 32. 32. 32. Wow. So you're about my youngest kid's age. 32 years old. All right, son. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, Take man. It. And dude, if, if I mean, if you ever, you know, of course, the offer is always on the table. If you ever want to hear Vance do his testimony, we try and do it a couple times, like a month or whatever. Let me know. You can always come down and, and check it out and stuff. You know what I mean? If you ever want me to come share my testimony with the location that you work at, guess how much I'll charge you? How much? Nothing. All right. All right. Through, man. Good price. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great price. Yeah, yes. man. Well, thank you very much, brother. We thank appreciate you. Guys for you. having me. I yes, absolutely. It. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up one more time for Ramon. Yes. Yes, yes. Ah, oh, I love this. This is this has been a this has been great, man. They say where two or more gather, God is with is there right now. So thank you, God. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the Rcast. If you guys want to be on an episode, please email us. The email, and I'm going to get this right this time, is <laughs> thearcast6944 at gmail.com. Once again, that is T-H-E-A-R-C-A-S-T-6944 at gmail.com. And we will most definitely get you on here. Remember that we are on all platforms, Spotify, iTunes. If there's a podcast there, we're on it. You know, share this with a loved one, somebody in recovery, someone, you know, who's learning about addiction. And as always, much love and God bless you guys. Peace. What's going on, everybody? This is Buddha from the Rcast, and I just wanted to thank you for checking out this week's episode. It means a lot, and if you could share it with a friend or a loved one, somebody you need in recovery, or maybe somebody who just needs that little bit of extra positivity in their life, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you would like to join us here on the Rcast, either in the studio live or online, hit us up. The links are down in the show notes of this episode, and on there, you can find direct links to our main website here at America's Rehab Campus and all of our social media platforms. Follow us. We keep the posts positive and motivational, focused on recovery, health, and wellness. As you know, in this modern day and age, we need as much love as possible, y'all. And as always, if you or somebody you know is in need of substance abuse treatment, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We're open 24 hours a day, and our direct phone number is 1-833-272-7342. Once again, that phone number is 1-833-272-7342. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Much love, and God bless. Peace.